Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community-based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. Hello, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Effigy Recall. I'm your host, Shane, and my co-host today is Dave. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing pretty good. Just uh, enjoying working from home, enjoying the dog. Since the last time I've uh, been on the podcast, I, I rescued a, a new puppers. That's been pretty good. And we uh, I've been taking them to training classes, and that's been a new experience. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. I uh, highly recommend for everybody out there to find yourself a rescue dog. I think a lot of times they're almost... Uh, you know, better for the owner than it is for the dog. It's almost like you're rescuing yourself, especially as a work from Homer. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, we got pretty lucky that he he doesn't have like anything too crazy behavior because I've heard some horror stories. But yeah, his name's Jorah after, you know, Game of Thrones or Jorah. Nice. Uh, yeah, we adopted him on St. Patty's Day and he's been fantastic. Awesome. And this has been your PSA. Go uh, spay new to your dog and uh, get one from a shelter. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, on today's episode, we're going to go over patch 12.0. The notes were released late last week and become official on October 1st, 2020. We're going to go over all the changes and rate them on a sliding scale. Let's start out with some clarifications. So in the game definitions, we have, uh, I guess there was some ambiguity around the multiple ways tokens are used in the game. And they added some wording to the definitions so uh you know they clarified how sticks and other people who can target tokens react with the location of tokens on the battlefield versus abilities that target a model looks like a good good clarification to me but it's pretty much how i played it how about you yeah i mean so i think this was a good step with uh cradle coming out um the model i think we haven't seen the resculpt quite yet um, but we should begin the model at some point this year, and the rules have been uh, released, and they, spoiler for later, they update her level two a bit. Um, I think it's a good clarification. Um, this leads me to believe there could also be other things coming down the pipe that might interact with tokens in a certain way. Because um, Styx was the only one beforehand that could do it, and now Cradle can. And I'm actually kind of hoping there might be a hero that moves tokens around that they would need a clarification like this to have the ability to have that, you know, that design space to go forward with. That would be amazing. I would love to see somebody who's just, you know, grabbing the totems and moving them around and that kind of stuff or grabbing shadow orbs and moving them around. That, that would be an interesting, interesting concept and be a totally different uh, area than what they've done before. That That's an awesome idea. Yeah, I think it's balance-wise could be kind of crazy, right? Because if you think of, I don't know, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite models, Stone Rocker, Stone Form, and you move Stone Form onto something else that maybe shouldn't have it access to it, but it is something that you might be able to do something intriguing with um, in the future. And I, I like that clarification now that um, with Cradle and Sticks, there's now two models that can impact tokens, and I think it clarifies stuff well. They have it defined, right? Always like clarifying things like this is always good, so we can kind of go know going forward and remove ambiguity from the game. I think is helpful as more players pick the game up. No, that's awesome, and future future proofing is definitely great. And I love that uh, the judgment team is really hankering down on that kind of stuff. 
All right. So next, uh, monsters with the aim to simplify the monster rules and their interactions with models. They decided to make monsters treat heroes and summon models exactly the same. The two model types are completely interchangeable with regards to monitor interact monster interactions. So we got a bunch of text here that points to the description here and there. Most notably at the end in bright red, we see a clarification that summon models are now targetable by the hunter rule. Am, am I reading that right? Yeah, so this is a change that I think, again, trying to streamline some of the stuff and be a little bit clear with how they react. There were certain interactions where it, like a hunter could move a monster towards a hero, but if it ended in melee with a summon but not a hero, it would attack the summon, was I believe how it was ruled to work before. Um, so that was just kind of clunky. Right, because it's you have this weird interaction where, for instance, you could use Zarin skeletons to block a monster from being able to engage your hero to protect it, um, and then if you never got to the hero monster, it would just attack the skeleton. Um, the bigger change I think for this is now it's consistent. Every time one of a non-monster model ends their movement and their activation within melee of a monster, they'll get punched, summon or hero. And the same thing will now occur in the hunter rule on the communion phase. So it's just, it's really, it probably buffs things like Zarin a bit. Because now you can actually use his skeletons as a form of monster control, right? If he's got a soul on him for one action, he can throw out a skeleton. The skeleton can get in between something you have that's more important than a skeleton. The monster hits the skeleton, the skeleton explodes on the monster and does some damage. Um, I mean, you could also use it as some extra damage to get monster kills in the same vein, right? You can charge a monster with a skeleton, it can do a couple points of damage, and then the monster hits it, most likely killing it with monster damage grids, um, and it's the, uh, skeleton's low agi score, um, and that will, that will allow it to get some extra damage on it after the charge, so you're looking at a skeleton being able to do probably, like, four points of damage, um, on its own to a monster, which not always super important, but I think I think the ability to now have it be consistent, especially that we're seeing a few more summons in the game with uh, Svetlana and Gendrus getting summons. The rumored Elementalist will probably also have summons. Um, so, but their summons are a bit more pricey than the Zarin skeletons. He's probably the one I see getting a slight increase off of this because you can use those skeletons as better roadblocks now to pull the monster away from your stuff and also to roadblock a little better yeah and i definitely think while this does maybe make zarin you know a little bit higher and even you know look man if you're summoning dorg you're not worried that your dorg is going to get one rounded by inferno right so yeah. you know even throwing your dorg out there in a good spot to absorb a monster hit and put some damage out there. I think you're giving a little bit buff of a buff to the summoners, but I see this really like making the game a lot easier to pick up for newer players. When I first looking started looking at models with the summon rule, I was like, I don't even understand how this works. I'm just not going to play with them at first. So, you know, we went more standard and kind of picked them up after we knew the rules. So I think this kind of balance, just making everything the same, goes a long way to making it a lot more player friendly. 
Yeah, I mean, it, again, streamlining the rules, and I think we've seen that over the last couple of patches, is clarifying some stuff, right? Now that more and more people have been getting into the game, you need to make the game as the base rules straightforward and easy for newer players to pick up so they don't feel, um, you know, like there's too much of a learning curve to the game, right? There should, there's going to be some learning curve, but it, spots where you can easily clean up rules to make more sense... Uh, definitely is a spot that should happen. And I feel like this is one of those things where, like, the, does it make the summoners a little bit better? Perhaps. Um, most of the summons, you probably don't want a monster hitting anyways. But, you know, having a monster hit your summon versus a hero is usually better. Um, usually. Usually. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> um, so... But, you know, you brought up Dorg, and Dorg's kind of expensive to summon. I mean, I don't want a, a monster critting him and chunking him for, you know, most of his health pool. But I think it just makes it... it but makes it's it much cool. better to have that happen than Victor get chunked and one-rounded well, yeah. by Inferno, right? Yeah, I mean, always agree with that statement. So, yeah, I think it's a slight buff to summoners in kind of corner case situations. But just the streamlining of rules is good. That's the part that, um, you know, this and the token change both do that. And that's the, those are the kind of changes I always like seeing is let's make stuff more clear so that when you have people, especially now with War Table, right, you're playing against people um, from all over the place, right? Every meta might have a different, little bit different of interpretation of how things should behave or how they learned it or whatever. And, remo and removing the ambiguity from rules eliminates that. Um, those kind of scenarios when you move a little bit, when you start playing a little bit outside of your meta that you play with, you know, on a consistent basis. Yeah. No, it's uh, definitely appreciated. Definitely appreciated. So these clarifications on a scale of peach to shepherd, where does this fall in your pie chart? Um, I'm really not much of a pie guy, but I've had a few good shepherd's pies before. Um, and I, I'll, I'll lean on the shepherd's pie because it's good. It's filling and, you know, it's kind of straight through and to the point. All right. Well, it's about a 3.14 to me. So we're going to move on to some hero and monster clarifications. Um, I'm not going to do these in the order of the patch notes. For those following along at home, we're going to, you know, maybe add a couple of bunch, a couple together that are very similar. Um, so first we will start out with Cradle. Cradle's level two ability shadow boost was ambiguous they've reworded it uh to read shadow boost one action target within four inches of this model token or template that is placed by an active ability or hero that is the recipient of an active ability or currently suffering from one or more conditions remove a friendly shadow orb token placed by this model's warband within four inches of this model from play that active ability, token, or template, or one of the conditions, is removed from play. Seems like a fine change to me. I've not really had much of a chance to test Cradle yet, so I don't really know what to think. What's your opinion? So I've actually been playing some Cradle lately, trying to get the hang of her. I've got a Warband I've been tweaking, and I've got probably three or four games with Cradle. Um, I think only one of them I actually prioritized getting to level two, um, based on what my opponent was playing. Um, but again, this is one of those things with the tokens where we're now being a lot more clear. I think there was some kind of strangeness. I don't know if it was in the wording or what people's interpretations of tokens were, um, where it wasn't always 
super clear exactly what the ability could do. However, even though this is a good wording change, it's actually a minor nerf to the ability. In the old wording, um, you could remove a number of things based on the number of shadow orbs that Cradle would destroy. Um, so if you had two shadow orbs within four inches of her, you could remove two tokens or conditions or etc. Um, which did make it feel a bit stronger than Styx's Nullify. Um, but it, that part was removed, and I don't know if that's intentional. Um, if that was an intentional deliberate change to make it down to one one token getting removed at a time for one shadow orb. Um, I'm assuming it is because, you know, they released the patch notes. Um, but I don't know if Cradle was a super popular hero currently that was being played. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the guys looked over that portion of it and uh, it feels real bad to see for one action, you know, no fate cost or anything else with shadow orbs, which... You've got a couple of guys, including Cradle, who are dropping them but not using them, you know, to just nullify half of your turn. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. But I mean, you are tending to give up a little bit with that as well, right? Because if you have Shadow Orbs in good positions, you don't want to necessarily destroy them. Um, right. Like the Warband I'm running right now has Zarin or Kier and Cradle. So I do have three people that can generate a Shadow Orb. Um, and at the very least, she could always generate one Shadow Orb for herself to consume with the Shadow Boost. So now she doesn't need additional Shadow Orb help to, you know, get multiple tokens. But yeah, it's not a thing where you can remove two Shadow Orbs and remove two tokens or something like that, which, right. which is good. I mean, it, and it still feels pretty good for a level two ability. Um, but like I said, the war, some of the Warbands I've been playing, I wasn't really prioritizing her level 2 because I didn't feel the need that the tokens my opponent could place were damaging enough to me that I needed to do it. Uh, but that's also because right. the Warband had a few other heroes that really wanted level 2, Rakir being one of them, right? He really wants level 2 for escape. Oh, yeah. So it kind of it kind of changes how you go after it a little bit. Um, but I've been having some fun playing her. She's She's... She's kind of interesting, and with the right warband, can do quite a bit. Um, and I like the 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 damage and healing aspect of her attacks, where she's aggressive to do her support. I actually really like that kind of a concept to her. All right, on a scale of bassinet to king bed, where's this sleeper laying? So I, I'll, I'll put it at a queen. I think it's good that we got the wording you know, clarified this along with the token change. However, it, it does limit the amount of things she can remove um, right there before she could have destroyed up to three things in it for one action, which probably was a bit too good. But the, again, clarifying word, like wording in the abilities themselves is always good. All right. So uh, next we're going to move on to uh, the two defenders that were changed. Um, the text from the document is the defenders that provide some form of protection to their allies are the cornerstone of the defender class. When we originally designed the game, we were conscious of having too many instances where the non-active player had to make decisions. It had the potential to slow the game down and disrupt the flow. However, over time, as the game and community have matured, 
we think it's about time that these defenders had the ability to pick and choose when they come to the aid of their allies. So both Dunraka and um, Thrommel. Uh, Thrommel, thank you, uh, had the beginning of their defender ability change to once per turn when a friendly non-defender model within two inches of this model is hit by an enemy basic attack. And then the rest of the text stays the same. Um, you know, well, I, I just, I'm pretty speechless here, man. What's your thought on this? So these are my two favorite defenders. So it's good. It's good to see some changes related to these abilities because it, it always felt bad, right? So someone that plays a lot of Dome Rocker is, all right, someone throws some completely insignificant attack into Dome, Rock, into Dome Rocker's redirect target or something within two, and then that burns your redirection. Um, it matters, I think, probably a bit more in fives, right, where you have some extra sources of attacks coming right. in. Um, but with the introduction of stuff like Grail, I'm pretty sure Sky's Diversion was also... You got to pick when it triggered. Um, I think same with Sky's Heroic Stand. I believe both of those abilities were, you know, you could mm -hmm. see what mm -hmm. happened and then decide to react to it um, with, you know, with Heroic Stand and Diversion. Um, I might not be 100% on that. I don't play a whole lot of Sky. Um, so it's good to see that. I think it's going to make Dolan Rocker probably the premier defender to keep someone alive. I think he kind of already was. But this will definitely solidify it because at this point, the way it's worded, um, I'm pretty sure you get to see all of the dice and then you can trigger redirection. Because um, it does state that when they're hit by an attack, you resolve everything against Doe and Rocker. So I'm pretty sure you actually get to see the dice roll, see what they did, and then the attack well, is order, In order to be hit, you need to see the dice roll, right? Correct. Like if I'm rolling 45 dice and they all come up blanks, so you don't, you know, it could happen. So you definitely get to see the die roll, which. Yep. And I, in beforehand, I don't even think it was hit. I think it was just the first time they were targeted with an attack. Um, now, Thrommel's wording is slightly different because um, it does say once per turn um, with a friendly non-defender within two inches of this model is targeted by a ba an enemy basic attack. The friendly model gains plus two res. So Dolan Rockers is probably a bit stronger of the two that got buffed here. Because Dolan Rocker will get to see all of the dice. Right. And then choose if you want to do a redirect onto him. Thrommel, it's nice because you get to pick when it triggers, right? When that little Okay. Yep. Little dinky attack comes in, you might just take the, you know, the two, three, four. But then when the aggressor charges in, you know, with a bunch more dice, you can take the plus two res at that point. So I think it's good. I think it helps defenders sometimes feel a bit better because right you bring a defender and a big part of them is trying to keep stuff alive and this helps this helps them do their job a bit better um especially in a the class where there's only five of five or six and we tend to see a lot more sharn and a lot more marcus though it's kind of changing a bit and i think this might push these guys kind of up um, but the defender class in general is going to feel really competitive, I think, with these changes of who you want to bring. I don't think there's a clear choice anymore. And that's that's good, right? We shouldn't ever have a situation where, all right, I need a defender or two. It's, you know, defender A and defender B always, you know, C, D, E, F, and G are just kind of there. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever felt Dunraka or Thrommel needed a buff. I always thought the two of them were doing everything they needed to do. I saw them in a lot of war bands. It's not like they weren't being taken. Heck, Thrommel, I see all of the time, man. I see him all over the place. Um, you know, his damage profile, I think, maybe gets a little bit gimmicky, and that's why you saw him some places. You know, a lot of people like the uh, Cavardo thrommel interaction and that kind of stuff. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think they both have a lot of other defender things that they're doing to protect their people. Yeah, right. I... Like Dunraka, in addition to the redirection, it can just lock out a one-inch melee model and be like, yep, your turn's done. Good luck. Yeah, you know, no, and they they definitely were good, um, and and actually I don't think looking at the Thrommel one it's a huge buff to him, and I think you're seeing a lot of Thrommel because Cavardo got buffed last patch, right? So um, naturally, when people play Cavardo, they always want to grab those two action attackers that have the big damage grids, right? Um, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of Thrommel. I know I've got him in a fair amount of lists lately, but I was also running a lot of Thrommel with Sharn. Um, because Sharn can pull Thrommel around and kind of help with his mobility problems. Um, so I, I, I'm not gonna lie, man, that sounds a little bit degenerate. Uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> Sharn they're, and Thrommel on the table at the same time. Like, good luck killing any of my guys. Yeah, I had I had a warband with those two, <laughs> and then like Hoxa and like Saiyan. So, and then like I don't know, a couple of aggressors or something. That the focus was to have like this just big beefy front line with some healing and durability, um, and it was it was pretty fun until you ran into like a Zonia or a Stariel or something that just started <laughs> destroying right. all the res and healing. But um, yeah, I think it's good changes. I like seeing it. Um, I, I think it it evens out the defenders quite a bit. It feels to me because I know some people. We're still thinking that Sharn's kind of top dog, which will spoiler alert. We'll get to that one soon too. <laughs> um, but I think that this helps bring them up. And I mean, I always like the dwarves and minotaurs, so that's something. And and I don't and I like I said, I think for Thrommel it's a really minor change because he doesn't get to see the dice. I think for Rocker, because he gets to see the dice is where it's a bigger deal, so that you can that's redirect that's something true. that's more painful. Um, and that is something I missed on my initial look over it, you know, where uh, Thrommel's a little bit less than Dunraka. But, you know, I, I still think that they were both really good models beforehand. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of shocked to see this buff come through. Yeah, I but, mean, like I said, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a huge buff to either. Um, I think Dunraka might be a pretty strong one. Um, but the Thrommel one, I think it's just a nice clarification. Again, almost more of a clarification. It's to kind of align the defender abilities to give you some more agency over when you trigger them or when you want to trigger them. Right. Because um, the fun thing now, too, is just because the model's within two inches doesn't mean you have to trigger the ability either. Right. So um, with Doan Rocker, I run a lot of triangles with my board positioning where I'll have like Doan Rocker kind of up front and then two other models within two inches of them. But now you don't know. You can't hit either one of them to trigger it, right? I get to pick, and I've got agency to do that, and I actually really do like that quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I always like the puzzle part of this game, right? Like, one of the huge things that draws me to this game is that, you know, there is a solvable puzzle at the start of every activation to be like, you know, what is the 
best thing that I can do here. And the whole, you know, holding my defender until after they triggered redirection so that I could activate my defender again and get redirection back and that kind of stuff, you yeah. know. Well, it's going to be once per turn. So when you activate, either of them won't impact it. So it's going to be, right, it's the activation of Dome Rocker or Thrama will not impact. Like, it doesn't, it won't refresh the defender ability. Right, so just, I mean, you know, I was more thinking, like, uh, so there are other abilities, right? Oh, so, yeah. like, you trigger that, and now I'm going to activate Thrommel and knock down the the other guy who was going to come in on my Svetlana yeah. that's got two souls or whatever. Yeah. So now I'm protecting you with the res, and then I'm going to go out and protect you with the knockdown. You yeah, know, or on Raka, I'm going to tie somebody up and say, like, all right, you're not moving, you're attacking me this turn. Yeah, I mean, the thing there is you can still do that, right? If that first attack that you wanted to protect with Thrommel is still the one you wanted to protect, you can still do it, right? So I think it just gives some options. And, um, well, I, to, I mean, we'll have to see how it plays on the table. To me, like, it it feels just like a nice, a nice little buff to him and a bit more, again, being able to pick when you use those abilities um, will be will be nice. Um, yeah. I just think it takes a little bit of agency away from the opponent to solve the puzzle, right? But yeah, I mean, we'll see how it comes out. Correct. I mean, the thing there too, though, is like dice are always going to be a thing, and you can kind of probably pick up when they're going to use it, right? So it's okay. So instead of it being, I can know I can forcibly burn it with, you know, a Gendrus lightning bolt before my aggressor goes in, you're just going to have to figure that, hey, when my aggressor goes in, they're probably going to, you know, hit that two res hit. But if Gendra still is going to throw a lightning bolt at him, now she might be doing two more damage on her head. Right? So, right. like, the overall amount of damage in a turn will stay the same. Again, Don Rocker's, the wording changes that a little bit because he gets to see the dice. But for Thrommel, it's you're still getting plus two res at some point. Um, right. But now you get, as the you know, the owning player of the defender, you get to pick that point. I, I do like that. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out on the battlefield. Yeah. On a scale of uh, Donkey Kong to Mario Kart, where's this one get inserted? Uh, I say it's Donkey Kong in Mario Kart. Because he's, he's my favorite character uh, in the Mario games, and I do enjoy me some Mario Kart. Um, I think it's good for the defenders to get to pick when and how they want to defend. Um, I think that was something that, that maybe I don't remember where Sky came out compared to the other defenders. Um, but for the ones that had the once per turn thing, the agency to pick when you want to use your defender ability, I think is a big deal. Um, cause you can save it for late in the turn to kind of see how things go, or you can use it up front to just mitigate, you know, that big triple J knockdown or something that came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. you know, in Bone Rocker's case. So, um, I, I I really really like these changes, and I would say that even if they weren't a dwarf and minotaur, because people know where my my heart lies. <laughs> All right, so um, we're gonna move to the next pairing, um, and we'll see why they're paired in a couple of minutes. And uh, the first one is also going to follow along with the defender line. So. Um, there's been some discussion around Sharn's Hammer Smash since her release. We are all shocked and amazed that after much consideration, they decided the damage and displacement were too high. 
Hammer Smash damage was reduced to three, two da three true damage instead of four, and the placement reduced from completely within six to completely within four. That seems totally fair to me, and I think I will still play her a lot. You? So, what's interesting about this one um, is definitely, I think, since since she came out middle of last year, late last year, I think she was the Gen Con release, maybe? I'm trying to think. Um, people have been kind of thinking that the Hammer Smash ability was strong. You're not, it's, it's one action and one fate. It's as much damage as her critting someone, but it's true damage. You don't have to roll dice. Um, and then the placement, what's kind of interesting here, and I actually didn't realize this the first, I can't even tell you how many games I played. Her old placement ability said within six, not completely within six. So you could actually place a model in obscene distance. I know we almost always played it as completely within six um, locally, but the wording was actually such that it just had to be within six. Well, the um, wording or... was move it, and the way you move models six inches... It's not a movement, is... it's a place. So that's... Yeah, but it, the... So, we, we can go round and round, but the wording yeah. seemed very clear to a lot of people and unclear to I mean, a couple of people. Yeah, I mean, we we've always we always played it completely within four because it was a place effect. It's not like you're pushing them six inches. So right. Um, yeah, and again, th she's probably been what a lot of people consider one of the best defenders in the game for since she came out. Um, she's been pretty strong. She's one of the hardest ones to kill. Even, you know, even only at the rest too, because she gets to ignore a res. Um, she's not the greatest necessarily for keeping her own uh, models alive because her defender ability is she's hardcover, which is in some damage profiles not a big benefit. I mean, it can, depending on positioning and whatnot, but... Um, right. And I think the hammer smash is one of those things that really put her kind of over the top because she could reliably you know finish off defenders that you got low she was easily punting stuff off of shrines or into monsters or monsters oh yeah people. and um and i know a handful of times i played her a lot of what i was looking to get out of her is doing ha just hammer smashes um i still it still accomplishes what hammer smash needs to do because the big thing is going to be getting at least a lot of time it's getting people off of shrines and with the old or off way, of models right or off of models yeah correct right her her kind of shtick as a defender is i'm going to make sure that my heroes get to go where they need to go or they or i clear things out of the way it's very clear in her shield slam combat maneuver it's very clear in get behind me it's very clear in hammer smash right is that um her defender ability is not i'm giving you two res or i'm even giving you hard cover because i i agree with you it doesn't come into play all that often her defender ability is i'm gonna get you to the right place and i'm gonna get the things off of you that you need off of you yeah and then with the way that her defensive statistics are um in the ignoring one res that gets ignored she kind of some games just gets to go wherever she wants to without fear of taking a huge amount of damage. Um, so I think she's still going to do like get behind me didn't change, which is a fantastic reason to bring her. 
Um, she still ignores one of the reds that other people ignore. So she's still staying as durable as she was. She still has all the same tools she had before, but now the probably the over, most overtuned part on her card got brought back in line, I feel like, with a lot of other fade abilities on defenders that I feel pretty good about her now. I feel where she definitely felt a step or two ahead of other defenders for a couple of reasons. Um, I think this kind of brings her back in line. I mean, like, if you're looking at a defender, I feel pretty good about grabbing, you know, Sharn, Thrommel, Marcus, uh, was, or Rocker, any of those four, as the, like, more durable defenders with Sky and Skull kind of being a bit different in how they work, right? Because they're not the res two kind of defenders, and Don Rocker tends to... I put in that group because of the way Stone Four works. Right. So I, I like the change... Um, I feel like it's a change the community's wanted for a while. I, I think all the same places you were seeing Sharn, you're still going to see Sharn. I don't think this drops her to be bad. Just one of the overtuned abilities is just, it's more tuned, I guess, is the best way to describe it, I, I would think. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I will still play her a lot. I don't I don't think it'll affect me one bit. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some my warbands with Sharn, and I don't I don't see why I would get rid of her because for me, a big reason I bring her is still get behind me. Is one of the bigger reasons I like to play her. And Hammer Smash still will do everything it needs to. The only thing it doesn't do is there's some scenarios where you could actually punt a model that was in front of, in front of a shrine so far back that they wouldn't contest it on the opposite side of the shrine. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> You can't, like, if they go in front of the shrine, you can't knock them, I think, far enough now where they won't still contest the shrine, which is good, right? Like, if, if they want to be aggressive and be in front of the shrine, which is usually, you know, not the greatest spot to be in, that they should be able to, if they want to risk doing that, and be able to hold that, know that they can hold that shrine. Kind of the same with, like, you know, I think of, like, the Dwarven Ale, which does the two-inch push, like, if you want to be base-to-base -base with the Shrine, you still can to prevent it from, you know, preventing you from contesting it. So, I like this change a lot. Um, and, I, like I said, I I don't see her getting any less play than she is right now. She's just going to be doing a little bit less damage and not punting stuff nearly as far. It actually might make her punting stuff into monster pits a little less likely. I think that two inches might make it a bit more difficult to, like... All right, I'm going to hammer smash you from a shrine into a monster pit to get attacked right away. Not that you won't get probably hit in the communion phase when the monster moves, because it is, you know, only a two inch difference. Right. Uh, I think that might be a little bit less damaging. But again, I getting the monsters to punch you is not what Sharn's there for, right? I feel like it's dislodging stuff off of shrines and stuff like that. And she still has the ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, there were times where she sent one of my models to China, and it felt real bad three turns later getting back into it. Uh, you're talking about, like, uh, uh, side shrine <laughs> and scorch earth where you punt them into the lava on the board edge? <laughs> right, just exactly. And you're, lava. Like, and you're like, how do I get out of here? All right, so uh, they're, next they're talking about uh, Inferno, 
when they adapt a model from a monster to a summon model top type their goal is to remain as true to the original monster as possible with inferno she's proved to be too much of a game breaker in her former state they pinpointed the overpower to her ranged attack particularly in three versus three games where she could be summoned and do two souls worth of damage very easily and my note is they're talking about two souls worth of damage to the effigy they don't call that out so for anybody who's new who doesn't realize that the fireball damage used to be three four six which you know could easily clip a couple of uh souls worth of damage to the effigy with a solid and a uh, crit and it's now changed to a two three four this one is not a shock to me at all summon inferno seemed to be all the rage and rightfully so what's your take yeah this is one that i think it was found pretty quickly that summoning an inferno tended to almost always end a game um because you could drop the inferno and get two fireball shots um and the damage grid hits like a thorgar hits in melee um which is right i mean three four six is a pretty strong grid right so uh, i mean he's base magic eight so that's on five dice to do two souls of damage you would have to crit in solid um on five dice a piece assuming you know, well effigy i don't think will rarely get hardcover um i guess technically right. if sharn's there uh <laughs> speaking of sharn um but and it's also magic so even some of that stuff gets lessened um and actually right. i think we're like the effigies were in the cloud on Scorch Earth, again, that wouldn't matter for magic. So, granted, she can't, uh, the Inferno can't aim at that point, because it's magic versus whatever, but you could right. also drop the Inferno, it walks and still crit for five on an effigy or something like that as well, which is incredibly strong. Right. Um, now, there's only currently one hero that can cast, can summon it, and that's a level three Svet. So when we're talking about doing two souls worth of damage, we're also talking about a soul gazer that's at level three which probably means she has two souls on her um right which, which she's not exactly going out there with her little shillelagh and whacking people over that yeah right? yeah so so this is i th i think that's a good change um i also maybe think the health might be a little bit high um we had agi four with 12 health and the and the dorg and he got his health pool to the summon version dropped down to 10. Um, I don't think people were seeing that as a problem, though, because usually when the Inferno came, the game was just ending. Because <laughs> it's either he's throwing two magic shots at an effigy, or he's dropping a lot of damage on a hero to get a kill, right? Because it's later in the game, not everything's full, and he could reliably do 10 damage to a lot of characters. Um, assuming again a crit and a solid he also ignores one res on the fireball as well so most heroes he could be getting four to five dice on a magic shot um, and doing a fair amount of damage um, pretty easily I feel like so it does take a little bit of work to get Svetlana up to three sometimes depending on board state because like you said she doesn't hit very hard I think she's like two, one, two, three on the range and one, two, four on the melee or something. Right. So she definitely has to work for it a bit to get to level three most games. Um, or just as the game goes on, right? Usually soul gazers tend to be able to soul gaze a bit. Yeah. I mean, I always thought we talked about it when the when she first got Inferno added. I kind of thought Inferno was just a win more tool. And uh, 
you know, it seems like maybe this is going to dial it back a little bit. But I still feel, you know, like you've said, you've already got a level three Svetlana. She's got one soul that you can only take off of her if somebody strips it. You know, she doesn't lose it when she dies. Um, you know, she's pretty mobile for, uh, you know, movement three character because she does have that uh, ability to summon a soul with one action. Or, uh, you know, innate Pathfinder. So I don't think it's such a huge deal. I think Inferno, like you've said, could take a couple of more hits, like maybe one to his health or to her health or something like that and still be perfectly fine. Yeah, I think. And again, we know we know that there is an, an uh, elementalist coming in the pipe. It was teased in one of the lore stories. Um, I, I assume at some point that one will get to summon Inferno. Uh, we don't know if it's going to take levels or baseline or whatever it will take. Um, but there's kind of, I assume it's going to be able to summon Terra and Inferno. If probably both based on the way that the story went, because they introduced them when Svet got the Inferno summon and when Gendros got the Terra summon. Um, and they've tried to make their summons generic. So even for instance, like Zarin's, um, skeletons and uh, Victor's demons. They made generic so that other characters can summon them. Um, they did that some point last year, I think. So they started doing that well before these two summons came. Right. Um, so I, I do like that they toned down the Inferno. I wouldn't hate to see the health come down a bit as well. But I think still most of the time you're summoning it was Vatlana because reducing an action from a soul gazer normally would feel pretty bad. Was Vatlana, it's not as bad because she does have a one action, one fate soul harvest. Right. Um, she can still move in soul harvest um, if you need her to do so. Um, but I think, I think as we see more of the Inferno on like hit the table in the game, not immediately end the health might be something that needs to be looked at because it was determined that Dor Dorg's health was too high and he has a similar um, defensive profile um, right. agility four, and he had originally 12 health and they dropped him to 10. Um, I, I don't think that's as big of a deal to be honest, but something that it wouldn't surprise me if that change would come down the pipe um, especially once we have another model that can summon it. Um, right. But yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, something else to happen with the Svetlana Inferno. Um, on a scale of nerf baseball bat to nerf elite Titan CS-50, where's the soft spot for this bad boy? Or girl, I guess? I don't actually know. Time to do some more lore episodes? Uh, I would say probably somewhere in the middle. I don't know my nerf gun tier list, power list. I'm assuming the Titan Elite's one of those ones that's got like batteries and a drum magazine that can shoot an obscene amount of darts. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Inferno still is still, it's going to hit harder than you'd expect to get hit with a nerf bat, but it ain't shooting like an Elite Titan anymore, um, which is definitely <laughs> what the Inferno felt like. So it's probably somewhere, you know, somewhere in the middle, um, like a mid-tier uh, nerf nerf gun. 
because it's definitely it still has two pretty reasonable attacks especially when you factor in that it ignores one res so it, yeah. it does it on the melee it does it on the range and that that can very easily make the damage grid of two three four feel a lot better um right. which again spoilers for <laughs> something else that got changed in this patch all right so uh isabelle's two talent trees are the things that really bring to life the feel of the paladin in the judgment universe the goal is to balance the trees and ensure they accurately represent both the holy and the rep paladin these changes are in line with those goals her base melee was reduced to six sad face gains plus one melee as part of uh holy blast in the rep tree and holy aura changed from an innate ability to an active ability with a cost of one fate that lasts until the start of her next activation is this too far like i get the plus one melee moving to rat and i actually really like that i, th I think it really gives you a decision instead of just dragging the holy token right out from you know at the beginning of the game from <laughs> from the war table sideline you know but uh holy aura i felt was in a good spot with it at one fate do you think that changes her total profile is she just way way too fate hungry now i don't know if she's fate hungry and also the thing too is you have to look at when when things are hitting level three so usually when a non-aggressor is hitting level level three again i'm gonna go on i'm gonna generalize a little bit here because right aggressors tend to get monster kills they tend to get hero kills they're more apt to get to level three, especially if you're focusing on one, right? Cause you're going to give them uh, mm -hmm. a quick mm -hmm. level off first turn monster kill. So one fate doesn't feel bad. What I think feels bad about Hor Holy Aura now that it's an active versus an eight is first off. Now it can get removed from sticks and cradle, which was not an option before. Um, it also, I think, makes some weird timing. Because before, she just had to kind of be in the mix and be there. And now she has to activate at a time where it's going to be relevant for it to matter. Which I think will force you to have to activate her sometimes way before you want to. Um, it also means that she's not affected by Holy Aura anymore, correct? Um... If we go off of how they have ruled um, the oh, what the, the idol, uh, healing idol, if you go off of how it's been worded and I, I, it been ruled, I don't know if they, I think they updated the fourth card, but they ruled that he benefits from the healing and then the idol goes away. So it will affect her. But it will affect her on the next round instead of the current round, right? So when it was an innate ability before, whenever she activated, it would trigger for herself because she is friendly to herself and it would go. Now she has to put it up and then it won't impact her until the next time she activates. So there's a huge lag in her getting value out of Holy Aura. Um, I'm also fine that it takes a fate. My bigger concern is more the timing of it. Of when do I activate Isabel? 
to handle that like bad conditions because now i might have to activate her like early on in a turn to, mm -hmm. to get the the value from it or the value i think i might need from it and the problem was is at that point mass restoration almost is just going to feel better because mass restoration is still going to cost you a fate it does burn an action but it just clears all the conditions right away. And that I, I am disregarding the heal two for a second here. Right. But because she's one of the only heroes that does condition removal, right? You've got her bastion, I guess now sticks and cradle can with the wording changes on null. Well, I know cradle can, I don't remember if sticks can with um, the new nullify. I'll have to double check, but so for me, it becomes an issue of when you activate her. And I haven't played a massive amount of Isabel. Um, I've got like one or two warbands I've played her in. Um, and I think I've only ever hit level three a handful of times with her. Because again, level priority for me tends to go to whatever my main aggressor is early. And then usually her levels I tend to grab from like, all right, she's a soul harvest four with a friend. She'll soul harvest something. Um, and... I, I don't know. I, I've always preferred the Holy Tree quite a bit. Um, I think Divine Intervention can be pretty strong if you can keep stuff within the bubble of her and they don't just right. kill Isabel. Because I've had that problem where like, all right, I'm going to put Isabel near some stuff so Divine Intervention gets value, and then they just kill Isabel. <laughs> and then you're like, well, Yeah, I mean, she's pretty hardy. You know, if, if they're going after and killing Isabel, I'm probably okay with it. So, again, to caveat for a later spoiler, she's not as hardy as she she used to be right there's a lot of <laughs> uh, i'm gonna i might go on a little bit of a rant when we get to one of the other changes um again more spoilers but she is not as hardy as she once was comparatively to other stuff and your hybrid slash support slot in a warband is very very heavily contested um and even with the melee change going to the retribution tree, which thematically I definitely understand, um, but gameplay-wise, I'm not—I dislike it quite a bit. Um, a well, lot I of think... other, a lot of other hybrids and supports have a seven stat for their main attack type. Granted, not for melee, which it's easier to add dice than remove dice. But I felt that was something that was kind of nice about her is that she was more accurate because a lot. Of, and the thing, too, is a lot of those other hybrids have, you know, magic and melee or ranged and melee where they had options there. And they usually had a seven in their ranged or magic stat that made it like, OK, I'm, if I'm not getting some dice and melee, I can be more accurate from a distance. And she doesn't even have that option. Unless she goes in the retribution tree against very specific things. Now, retribution trees had... There were times when the retribution tree is strong. Um, especially because Holy Blast... In a world where there are more summons and there are very dangerous monsters... Holy Blast is a pretty strong ability. Oh, yeah. Um, so, granted, it's a little bit variable because it's a d6... Or D6 plus 3 if you upgrade it with a Fate, which is one of my favorite things they added to the game, is like the variable power on abilities. And it becomes spend. true damage then too, right? Yeah, so I, I liked when they did that. I think 
they did it to hers and some i forget what other i thought there was another ability they did it with but i like that where i can spend one action to get a okay version of it or if i have the fate i can do an improved version of it um because you can almost have her go retribution and kind of be like your monster hunter a little bit um but the problem is if she's off doing that then she's usually not close by to use you know mass restoration or lay on hands on stuff um so uh i I can see flavor wise why they did it retribution paladins and other games um such as world of warcraft that i'm very familiar with you know retribution paladins are the melee paladins right that's that's kind of their shtick so getting the plus one melee is good she gets it back on that um i just wonder if it's still gonna make people want to go holy because the the level three is still kind of strong if you can work around the what i think are some activation problems with her now unless you're constantly putting up holy aura every time she activates right um which maybe when she gets level three you might anyways but now it's burning a fate every turn to do it um so is it going to be a lot more difficult to get the holy to level three with the melee being six I know I've played her maybe only a handful of times and I've gotten some levels off of soul gazing, but I've got a lot of levels off of just chipping in the last couple of points of damage on a monster or on a hero that was low because she was melee seven. She does have the J to add one true damage, which when you're rolling a fistful of dice, the J comes up more often than not. So she's really like a uh, three, four, five. Yeah, I can definitely feel that way. And I think I think losing the one base melee is going to impact that a lot. I mean, right. she, does, she does tend to want to be in a scrum. But I don't think she's ever a target you were going to give like a Vorpal Blade to. So that innate seven felt really nice. Right. Um, obviously, she's one that you still might target to get the Demon Blade because she can't become cursed. So on the, what was it, two, three maps that have dorgs, she, she right. gained some power. Um, but I think the problem, I, I think the, the loss of accuracy could be a big deal. I think the hybrid spot in the game right now is super, super competitive. That, like, unless you really want her for condition control, which in one of the main lists I play her is what I bring her for, um, I think there's better options if you're looking for like a more damaging hybrid at this point. I think. Right, like you're going to take a Barnascus for your hybrid tank slash damage dealer, or yeah, he's one I might look at. He's got, you know, he's a little bit less res, but more movement, a stronger charge. He brings knockdown. Um, you know, self-sufficient with personal repair. Correct. Yeah, because the thing with lay on hands is because the lay on hands distance is so small, a lot of times she's mostly using it to heal herself. Right. Which is fine. Um, but then like, for instance, Barney, yeah, he can self-repair. I actually would like to see self-repair gain the plus one per level gain that lay on hands has. I would actually really like to see that on Barney. Um, it feels like an ability that that would slot really well with. Um, and then he definitely could feel like more of a tanky, you know, pun fully intended, uh, uh, hybrid mm-hmm. because he could heal himself from, cause like three is not bad at level one, 
but I think at level three, he's like 20 hit points. So I wouldn't hate to see him be able to heal for a bit more and they can fill that, you know, kind of that defender-ish type role. Um, where I think Isabel right now to me feels a lot of like, if conditions are really a problem for your warband, you might still grab her. Otherwise, personally, I think there are some better options in the hybrid slot. All right. All right. So on a scale of Tinkerbell to Dinnerbell, where does this one ring in? I mean, personally, I rank this as Tinkerbell. I think I think in with how competitive the hybrid slot is, I feel like you're going to see her a bit less. And I know she was really popular in the last qualifier. And I think part of that might have been some of that melee accuracy that she had. Um, yeah, I... I think it's going to be a bit interesting to see in the next qualifier or two. I don't know. I think they're trying to get a second one in before the JNAC itself. How mm-hmm. many people bring Isabel? Um, Cause she's in a really, really competitive slot. Um, and I think a lot of the other options around her got brought up quite a bit lately that her moving down, I think at least perception wise, will you'll see her less. But I think legitimately power-wise on the table, um, like I said, if you're not looking to clear up conditions, I think there are some better options to go after. Um, Unless you think you're going to hit a lot of curse, right? Because then she's getting extra damage, but she's still less accurate, right? Because she's down from melee 7 to melee 6. And with that being her primary, like, way to deal damage, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I mean, she still has good tools, and I think you'll still see her, but I think you will see her less than what you were. And maybe we were seeing her definitely way too much. I think in the 3v3 qualifier, she was in a lot of warbands. I don't know that you can necessarily talk about how often you're seeing somebody as whether or not, you know, what their power level is, right? Like yep. some of it is the cult of the new. She's one of the newer models. So a lot yep. of people want to give her a try. Uh, yep. There are people like me, you know, I chose all of the hybrids. So yeah. she was in my war band. It had nothing to do with what she yeah. was like. I just chose all the hybrids and she's a hybrid. So she was yeah. there, you know? Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and yeah, right. And any amount of data you look at for, for statistics, it's going to be, you know, how much data is there and is it enough to make, strong you know like strong uh, correlations right and, and i think with the small amount of data that we have in like a 20 person data set where 20 people are choosing five out of 35 models you know yeah. you are gonna get some yeah. huge spikes that are not necessarily anomalous unless well, I mean, you see was- it in like 85 90% of warbands, right? She was the highest, or Cavardo, one like her Cavardo were taken in like half of the warbands that were there. Um, and if you're only taking five out of 35 heroes on the surface, that number f- does feel a little high to me, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there was a perception she was getting taken a lot more than she should, so this yeah. is began to bring her down. But yeah, like when we get to later changes, I, I think the hybrid slot is hyper competitive now. And this, to me at least, drops her a bit, unless you're looking more specifically for the tools that she brings. Um, 
I, I think you're going to see her a fair amount less than what you were, but I could also be completely wrong. So, I, All right, I, well, we will see, and we'll see. Uh, I wonder how many uh, PMs Chad has been getting for people saying, no, 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 take away that Isabel, take away that Isabel. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. So... All right, so uh, Styx is one of the Judgment Originals and a favorite of theirs. His unique and high-skill cap kit sets him apart. However, it is also a delicate balance getting it right. They feel like he has been under the curve for a while now. However, they do not want to alter his kit too much. So they increased his survivability and given him a little bit more of a cutting edge at level 2. So Styx's res went from 0 to 1. His starting health went from 14 to 15. Uh, they replaced his level 2 ability with Soul Infused. This model gains plus 1 melee and plus 1 range for each soul bound to it. This model's psionic blast combat maneuver gains if a J was rolled during the attack, the targeted model suffers an additional true damage. This is probably the most intriguing change to me. I've never given Sticks a ride, but I've never seen him do great things against me. He always needs to be so far forward to be effective, and I think this gives him a little bit of a starting edge. Maybe a little bit too much. What's your take? All right. So I apologize if you hear the dog bark a little bit, but... Uh, so here's where I might go on a little bit of a rant. <laughs> so the hybrid... Should, should I go get a glass of water or something to come back in 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that bad. So there's been a shift lately of a lot of the hybrids and supports moving to res 1. Um, Cavardo used to get it at level 2. It's now baseline. Sticks got a res. Um, you know, Isabel was released with a res... Um, I think all, I think pretty much every hybrid in support outside of Bastion is now Res 1. Um, Go Team so Bastion. Yeah, I've actually been playing them a bit more. Uh, but so the problem I think I have a little bit is the Sticks was a hero that you needed to put on the table because sometimes this card doesn't jump out at you with the things he can do. Um, and you needed to he needed to have some risk to him or he could always do really kind of crazy things at times. Um, and giving him a res one when he already has built in leech one feels like it takes risk away. And, and then they also upped his hit points. So remember how we were mentioning Isabel, like being tanky, right? Um, sticks is now, arguably almost as tanky he has one less hit point he d he can't heal himself but he's more mobile and he also has leech one so if he's making a couple of attacks he's probably leeching you know one to two let's say which is almost as good as her heal um he's higher soul soul harvest at soul harvest five and now he has that one res that some of that little chip damage that was at times could start whittling him down isn't going to feel as impactful. Um, I do like a little bit the level two 
the old level two for those that weren't familiar is it gave him a one s combat maneuver with his melee or his six inch range attack that could i believe just push yeah because his base is what can stun or curse um, right it was pushed up to three inches correct and that means he could also actually push enemy models with a range attack which is very rare I believe Piper is the only other model that can do that. Um, right, and he had to get now makes Piper a lot more um, unique in that instance, right? Yeah. So it does make Piper a lot more unique, but I did like the flavor of sticks getting pushes because his shtick has always been movement, right? If you look at Astral Passage, you look at Astral Split, you look at oh, yeah, yeah. Five. So I liked that it felt good in the kit. I don't hate Soul Infused. I think it actually kind of leans into the risk reward a bit more, right? The idea is if you have a soul or two on him, he he gains more accuracy and can do some more damage, which I do like that. Right. Um, because of handful of times I've been playing him lately, I was playing him in a no soul gazer warband where at times he was my soul gazer with soul harvest five right um and he still has the risk reward on the level three but the level three i feel like most of the time you were just gonna take the damage to finish the game usually if six is level three you're on a couple of souls already you're deep in a game (laughs) and he's just gonna i'm gonna cut for just enough to kill whatever model i can get to you to get the last soul to finish the game um, so I think, I think with these changes, it's definitely moved sticks up a bit and I think he will probably see more table time. Um, but I kind of think maybe six should have been seeing more table time beforehand. And I think what this is doing is it's moving heroes that had low floors with really high ceilings and they're raising the floor up. And I feel like adding a res to both Styx and Cavardo, who are kind of similar typed models. They both move opponent stuff. Mm-hmm. They should be chipping in some damage or chipping in some strong conditions. Cyanic Blast, actually, um, looking at it right now with the level two change, is going to be really strong. Like, you could even, I, like, I almost wouldn't even hate going like Heartseeker on Styx. Like, getting him <laughs> an, like, getting him an early level two, get that mana soul. And just start stunning and cursing my opponent's board at will, right? Because right. he's leeching, so he's now healing you're when you're doing that. With a leech, with one res. Yeah. So, and then the other thing too is it's got another one of the things I liked when they added the add a fate. So when you do a combat maneuver, you roll a J, it applies one true damage. So he's looking at a two, three, four grid, and you can easily get him up to, you know, I, I probably wouldn't ever vorpal him because I feel like there's better vorpal targets but i don't hate tossing a heart seeker on this guy depending on the rest of my warband guiding him to level two early um and and trying to get a soul on him and and just yeah just going kind of crazy with him because the thing is is he always has like weird get out of jail free cards a little he's got nullify which is incredibly strong um and versus cradles they can't get rid of conditions but Nullify also takes whatever cost the thing was. So he can, like, I, one of my last games, he was just, like, eating Shadow Orbs every turn. 
It's like, oh, there's a shadow orb within four inch of me. Eh, zero actions, it's gone. Right? And you can limit right. mobility or, you know, oh, I'm going to spend one action and remove a stone form. And then, you know, so there's options there. And he still has Astral Split, which um, I've done some kind of mean things with monsters. <laughs> and I think now he can be he can be more aggressive and not and not feel as punished right mm-hmm. and and i think i kind of like that he was he had some risk to him um because now my problem is a lot of the hybrids feel very similar so it's a lot of agi 4 res 1 it's a lot of 15 or 16 hit points it's a lot of attack stat 6 or or range stat of 7 or magic stat of 7 um, similar damage grids across the board. And I think now you're going to look at, you know, what's, what's in your warband or what's just good. Right. So we saw a big spike with Cavardo lately. Um, cause he got buffed to be immune to poison res one at level one. He got a new level two. That was pretty good. Um, and I mean, we saw a huge spike in Cavardo and he got a res. And maybe that's, again, maybe people were just testing out the changes, but Cavardo's always been one that's always felt pretty good. Well, but he anyone. always had the res on his... Um, on his level two. He had to get two, level right. two. Um, one thing that does separate Cavardo and Isabel from Styx is they get two hit points at level three, where Styx only gets one. So True. at level three, they have two more hit points than he does, not one more hit point. Not yeah. that that totally balances the scale at all yeah but, and i yeah. think and i think sticks is one that when you're hitting level three you're probably looking to finish the game because you're gonna so you think the- it's a little bit of win more like uh yeah Svetlana, once he gets to three and is yeah. you know, doing his version of summon inferno which is i cut myself for 10 and you take 10 gg correct and it gets you that last soul to finish the game right and and we're we're seeing a trend with res which makes me think you're going to see a lot more marcus i mean marcus was pretty good in general but going mm-hmm. res one to res two is a pretty big jump um i think you might see people more people go for glyph of warding on a lot of these characters it is expensive but man uh agility four res two sticks running around that has an eight leech one like and has some like shenanigans to move himself around if he needs to. I think you're going to see you're going to see these hybrids get pretty tanky cuz you can still always apply defender abilities onto them. They're all sitting on a res now. So right. like and, and this is where kind of bring it back to the Isabel discussion. Right? So one of the defining things of Isabel is that at level 1, she was accurate in melee. Like I look at Isabel and Sticks right now and I, I, unless I need condition control or, you know, way more healing, I think I'm looking at sticks way more. I gain an extra move. I gain an extra soul harvest. I do lose a hit point, but I'm gaining melee and with a ranged option. I'm gaining some stun or curse conditions. I mean, you're losing smite. Okay. And you're losing the anti-curse an extra damage to curse but if you're not getting isabel on those curse causing characters right you know you're not getting the value from some of that um and curse is a condition i don't see played around a massive amount it's more like i take the character for whatever else they're doing and then they just happen to have curse (laughs) right Um, right right so and even like 
you know, Fazil that can do it, but he tends to poison over curse more of the time. Um, and actually here with sticks, you might see a little bit more curse because I think you're going to see a bit more sticks. And if he gets to level two, he's going to play more aggressor like with the mm -hmm. damage option, you know, with the movement options he brings. And he also brings nullify, which I mean, can you imagine an aggressor that can remove some defensive tool you just put on something you wanted to murder? Like he kind of he feels like he has it all of it. And and it's weird thinking that one res and one hit point like shifts that 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 much. But I think it it might in his case. I think you're going to see a bit more sticks. I mean, I've got I've got a warband I was kind of running with sticks before and then I was going to run it with Cavardo when the Cavardo changes went in because I felt like Cavardo's like okay it gives me a little more tankiness you know point blank on Cavardo is very strong and it's also in a warband that doesn't have a soul gazer so Cavardo's level 2 is better but I was being kind of stubborn and playing sticks with it because I, I wanted like I feel this warband's good for sticks um, funny enough that warband also has Isabel and I'm pretty sure I'm just going to straight drop Isabel from the list and run both Cavardo and Sticks in the list. Because I feel like it's got that extra durability. So here's a question that I hadn't thought of until we started talking. Do you think this moves Sticks from a support role more to a hybrid role? I mean, it, it definitely does. And they've also updated his class to reflect that. Because um, hybrids to me in this game are mostly damage plus something. So we'll look at Barney, right? Barney is essentially an aggressor that's got like a bit of, of durability to him. He can heal himself. Um, he gets steady at level two. Um, and he kind of like, he kind of spread damage. That's kind of his thing, right? He doesn't do a huge amount of damage, but he can spread it on a couple targets and he has durability. Cavardo was always kind of the I'm going to do damage, and then when it works well, I'm going to telekinesis something, or I'm going to enable, you know, my Zaffin to shoot a second, you know, an extra time. Mm -hmm. um, Isabel always felt like an aggressor plus some healing, right? You were getting an aggressor. She got a 2-3-4 grid, which isn't bad. She was melee 7, so she was being pretty accurate and being pretty reliable damage, and then you were getting some healing on top of her in... Prior to this patch, she was just kind of doing it. You didn't have to expend resources for it outside mm -hmm. of leveling her, which is arguably a resource in the game. There's finite levels you're going to generate in a game. Right. There's finite easy levels you're going to generate in a game. So you're choosing to level her over, you know, a Thorgar, a Kier, a Cradle, a Stick, so whatever else you're trying to level. Um, unless it just kind of happens, which sometimes, you know, it does a little bit. Um, and, you know, so I feel like, and I'm trying to think what other hybrids I'm missing. Oh, Piper. Like, Piper's definitely an aggressor um, with, I guess, some movement shenanigans, right? He can mage hand stuff around. I guess he's almost like an off-tank a bit because he can absorb a hit that just gets nullified, essentially, with his duplicate self. Yeah, um, no, I definitely think he can be tanky because he also uh, can put his own uh, agility up, right? Yeah, he's agility five base and you can go to six if you really want to. And you're not getting a lot of dice against him ever. And he's hyper mobile. Um, but yeah, all the hybrids are essentially aggressors that have like something a little bit extra. And I feel like with Isabel coming down a little bit and sticks coming up, you're going to see a lot of 
contention for that hybrid role. Um, and I think I think you're going to see a bit more sticks than we were, which is good. I, I don't think people were playing them. But that's also because I think Cavardo, right? Like the big the big shtick with sticks was always telekinesis. With Cavardo's been telekinesis. And sticks was kind of a more aggressive version of it with Astral Split. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit longer range, but sticks had to be the one that got swapped into that position. Mm-hmm. And so he had to be more aggressive. But then because of that, like, you know, now with, with the res, he's it's going to start absorbing a decent amount of damage. And now with the level two, I think you're going to see him played a lot more aggressive. Um, like, for instance, my warband I want to run, run him in doesn't run a soul gazer. So I'm definitely going to want a soul harvest with sticks on an early turn. And then, like, just maybe, you know, walk by a heart seeker early in the the game and then start you know start getting that psionic blast going out because it's mm-hmm. two three four and then if you get the two s and it's one j you're getting the one damage like you would have been getting on a smite from um from isabel right so i right. think i think you're gonna see a lot more of sticks um i think cavardo is still gonna be up there and i think you're gonna see a bit less isabel but the res one stuff is kind of intriguing to me because it seems like anything that's non-aggressor is going to be at res one most of your games now. I guess not soul gazers, but like all your like defenders are going to be res one and higher. All of your hybrids and supports are going to be res one and higher. Um, so I think it's going to make it interesting because the res zero to one on its own doesn't feel very strong. It's the res one to res two feels incredibly strong. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna have options to see a lot more of that, um, and that's the part that will be intriguing going forward. Is I think you're gonna see a lot more Marcus on the table because of that, because protective stancing a Res One model feels really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, if I protective stance of sticks, I'm probably gonna be a lot more likely to be aggressive with them because. He's anytime he gets glanced, he's gonna ignore it, and he's he's base edgy four, so you're you know he's right in line with pretty much everything else. I mean, I might even I could see games where I might get ridiculous and try and get him edgy boots. Like, I mean, I was actually, I mean, you know, I'm a big lover of the edgy boots, but I was actually thinking for him specifically, edgy five, res one is a really good stat line. Yeah, and then if you have something like Marcus that can get him to res 2, you can do Astral Splits and be a lot more aggressive with him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're going to see some some interesting interesting stuff with, with Sticks now. Um, and where it used to kind of be, do I, do I want Sticks or do I want Cavardo? I think it's going to be a bit tougher. Because I think Cavardo tended to edge him out because Cavardo could just play safer. But you can get a lot of value out of Cavardo with him not being on your front line. Where sticks that didn't always feel to be the case. And uh, I, I think sticks you can now you can be pretty aggressive with them. I think if if you have some decent setup or support for him. And I don't think it's out of the question that you're going to see that in some lists. Like I, I'm looking at a list right now that's got both sticks and Cavardo, and I'm I'm thinking it's gonna look pretty good. 
because it's it's a lot of my ability to move my opponent's models which there's not anything you can do about that currently uh, mm -hmm. now that is out of the game um which you can punish position like poor positioning by your opponent or even decent positioning you can just totally blow it up at this point yeah because imagine like oh i tk i tk you something five inches and then once you're there my sticks now decides to swap with you i mean mm -hmm. they joke about you know a milk carton play right the model goes missing <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if i'm if i'm launching you you know 11 inches from where your model's currently positioned what are you gonna do with that it's going to be so far from anything that can give it any kind of help that, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's a two fate play, so it's not like it's and you get an activation in between. But, you know, if it's some aggressor that went early in a turn, that thing might just disappear. Right. And he's <laughs> not going to go for another four or five activations. Yeah. Especially if I can activate one of my aggressors and then I get first at the top of the turn so that aggressor gets or to go some, twice yeah. on him. Well, you know? or, you, or you just put it where you need a couple of like alright I'm gonna like I've done it before where I've telekinesis something into being like triple or quad engaged then it doesn't matter right. who's swinging on the target because they're getting so many dice they're probably reliably critting at that point right and it you know then it's a defender or support or hybrid or whatever that's swinging at two three four and even that's right. going to cut down a aggressor unless it has good defensive tech on it. But if you look at mm -hmm. you know some of the ones that were buffed today, it's it's all positioning, right? Unless it's you know a um, protective stance on it, or if it's uh, bulwark. But but yeah, I think right. I'm I'm a little concerned. Res one is popping up everywhere because um, I think it slows the game down a bit, and I don't know if it needed to be slowed down. Um, no, I agree. You know, I think he needed something and maybe we've gone a little bit too far, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll just, I mean, with all these changes, right, it's, we're all, you know, theory crafting a bit here. Of oh, absolutely. Um, but I think the kind of, oh, a model's not getting played, slap a res on it. <laughs> That's what I feel like they're doing a little. Um, <laughs> right, right. And... I don't know. I like this is one we'll have to see, right? Because it's hard. It's hard. We don't have the stats app right now to be tracking games and bands and what's winning and what's getting played. Um, and even that, you know, like I talked about before, the statistical, yep, you know, range that you're looking at is so small. That sample True. size is so tiny. I mean, like, I mean, if people were getting enough in, though, I felt like towards the end of a patch, you were getting up to like. I don't know, like two to 300 games or something. And I think, I think some trends you can start noticing when you're getting to that. Not again, not perfect because not every game played also gets logged. Right. Um, but also, you know, in miniatures games, it's always been weird to me and we're going way off topic, but that's all right. You know, you've got different players who are playing the game for totally different reasons, right? Yep. Like guy A is playing win at all costs and, you know, every pickup game is the most important game to the world to him. Where guy B might be playing against him and, you know, he just got home from work and he plays one game every six months and doesn't care. So if guy A 
you know, gets a win there, does it really say anything about the model or, you know, there's so many other factors. No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with this. I mean, and, and that's why like the recording of stats isn't perfect, but it's nice to see some of that because otherwise you have no idea, right? Like you can theory craft all day long with your meta and whatever works in your meta, but say your meta's four guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to have some leanings of who likes to play what in however it is. But then like, you're never seeing what's going on outside of your bubble. And, right. and I think, I think in a game that gets patched as often as judgment, it's good to see some of those stats, even if, yeah. Okay. And I don't know what the threshold is to be able to make very accurate things. Right. Cause there's the, any game like this, right. Has it's got dice. It's got, mm-hmm. like you said, we have a hyper competitive guy playing someone that just showed up, you know, after work or whatever. And, but at least it might give you something of a baseline to have like, okay, I've got a theory. Does what we have recorded flawed or otherwise? Is it so far like, okay, I'll say Barney's the best hero in the game. Bold statement. <laughs> with the stats app, with the stats app, you could actually see like, okay, can I make some some evidence to back that up? Or can I just like right now in those stats app, I can say Barney's the the best hero in the game and you can't like you can't really refute it right because okay is barney getting taken in you know five percent of games is he winning a hundred percent or eighty percent or whatever you like you can see some of that and the thing that i think is important is on the stats up it was telling you like how many games have been recorded for what data you're looking at right so am i looking at 10 games because then i'm not going to feel great about the data am i looking at 100 i'm probably feeling better am i looking at 400 okay, now I feel like I probably can make, use that data at least in a way that lets me think, okay, all right, so Barney's literally kidding the table 1% of the games in 500 games we have. Clearly Mm -hmm. there might, he might need at least some sort of attention. Does playtesters need to look at him? Do they feel that he needs a buff or just... Hey, is it a perception problem? Because that's always a thing. I think that's been brought up in our Discord a lot lately is... Right. The perception of models versus their true power of models. If the group, you know, community group think thinks Cavardo's very strong, more people are going to tend to play him, even if he's not actually strong. Now, usually people will play him, they'll form their own opinions and then adjust, right? But I think... I think having some of that baseline of, right, they they only have a handful of testers. It's not like Gunmeister Games is a 900-person company that every patch rotation, they can retest everything. So I think it's good to give them a starting point of like, hey, maybe we got to look at the top three heroes because they're getting played, you know, 70% of the games that are logged have these three heroes in them. Maybe they need a little bit of a look. Oh, here are the bottom three. Now, with this game, it's always going to be a little bit funky because there's always synergies that come into play. Like, Well, and there's other things too, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to play the models that I think are cool. Well, yeah. You know, and, and that may not have anything to do with their power level whatsoever. No. And right? I, yep. And that's, I mean, any minis game is going to have that. And, 
but we've also got people in the community who are playing, you know, 100 games per month. Oh, yeah. And, which, you know, maybe a slight exaggeration, but for yeah. some of these guys, you yeah. know, it's, well, it's know. not that far off, you know, I know I'm especially not during quarantine, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing, I'm not playing 100 games, but I think last week, I think I played like four or five. Right. Um, so, you know, and I'm trying some to. Of us, yeah. Some well, see, of us, and I'll include myself, are a little bit degenerate, and you know that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's fine, and I think it's important. And the nice thing about the stats app is like you're getting you're getting a range of players inputting that it's not mm-hmm. just the hardcore tournament guys logging games. It's not just you know the super cat like it's a mix. So you kind of get some of that in the data now. Again, I don't know what the threshold is of the numbers room. Like, all right, this is accurate data. Like, 100%, you can go off the data. And we're good. Um, I, I don't know what that number of games actually is. Um, so, I I just worry slightly that we're slapping res on a lot of models, and we're and maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it's uh, over overreaction, right? I have not, um, I have not played a game on with these new patch rules yet. Um, but I'm looking at Styx is a high contender to make it into some form of a warband. I play in the next qualifier, right? Um, and I was already playing him in a warband that I was, I was actually going to sub out for Cavardo because the Cavardo buffs. And now I think I'm going to sub sticks back in for the Isabel slot because it's right. like I said, that, that <laughs> war band, I'm not as worried about conditions in. Um, it's not like the herd where like I see fire and I need to go run scared, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it just like turns the war band off. So like Isabel will probably still stay in the herd for me. And that will be interesting to see how she works in that capacity. But she was also not, not, a huge level priority for me um, in the herd list. She was not one that I would forcibly try and get levels right away. Um, and maybe, and maybe that was my mistake playing her. And that's why, you know, more people were focusing more on getting her to three. And then they were seeing more of the Holy aura thing, just kind of take over games. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm right, hoping sticks yep. on sticks. a scale of Jason X to ghostbusters. Are we staying in space or moving out to the Big Apple? I mean, we're we're moving to the Big Apple here. I think perception-wise, this will increase Dick's perception within the community. Um, a big complaint for a while has been how fragile he is. And now he's right in line with any other hybrid um, that's on the table. Um, I am a little... I, I don't know. The level two feels... I don't know. I like it because it it's the idea of the risk reward is there, right? Mm-hmm. Holding on, holding on to souls is can be risky, um, but it does make them do it more accurate. And then I think I think you're gonna see them played a bit more aggressive and a bit more damage wise than you were before with some nice movement tricks, where you used to see them just for the movement tricks. And then on occasion he would throw some damage in. But usually it was move somewhere, ethereal passage, move somewhere to set up the next passage I want to do the following turn or something right. like that. Um, and now I think you might see people lean into getting them to two 
giving him an offensive item, possibly defensive item, and then just kind of letting him do his thing. He's very mobile. He's got some fun tricks. Um, I know I've had a few games where I would Ethereal Passage to like, oh, I need to Soul Harvest. Let me just yoink my aggressor over here real quick <laughs> to get a plus two. <laughs> um, or a plus one from having my aggressor there. Um, but I think what you might see that used for is you might see people play him more melee aggressive. And then, oh, let me yoink my defender to give me an extra dice to hit and a defender ability. Right? Like, oh, let me just uh, pull my Thrommel over here to, hey, we're both going to give each other another dice. <laughs> and then, you know, sticks can apply stun as well now. So now you got two sources of stun or chances at stun where you can start locking down models from doing much. So I think you're going to see a lot more sticks. Um, I know I'm going to probably look in a few spots to get them, but I also build, a, I feel like, a stupid amount of warbands. So, <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. I think we all do. I think yeah. we all do. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for joining me on this bonus episode of FG Recall. It was great to have you here, man. Yeah, was, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm sure we probably went a bit longer than some of the other patch ones. Yeah, that's but. all right. You know, we had some good discussion. We totally went off the rails, and that's fine. Um, we're not on trains. We're on cars or something. So, or we're space elves. And uh, shooting around in our rocket ships. <laughs> so uh, until next time, man, let's recall out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me using effigyrecall at gmail.com or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.